Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to Stop Hammer Time. Uh, we just uh, played uh, Wolves up at Molyneux and came away with a draw. More of that later. Joining me, and it's been a long time since we've had him here, it is uh, author, broadcaster, journalist, and now editor of Heat magazine, Sam Delaney is back with us. Hello, hello, everyone. Hello there. Everyone all right? Yeah, I'm great. Good, excellent. Uh, we were supposed to be joined by Chris Akabusi. Akabusi's oh, let us down. He has let us down. He's not here. He uh, maybe thought he could just uh, shout from outside the building, that <laughs> um, somehow the microphone would just pick his voice up. Akabusi would probably shout from wherever he lives, and <laughs> it right. would be crystal clear. Exactly, exactly. But uh, no, we sat here and waited for him, but uh, we've decided to start. So if he comes in, because he has done that before, burst in during one of the podcasts and uh, just joined in. Uh, so perhaps that'll happen. Uh, perhaps it won't. Uh, we were just talking about record breakers, actually. Yeah, I mean, Akabusi, I was looking forward to meeting him. I've never yeah. met him. He's let us down, which I'm very disappointed by. But I would say, although that he is obviously a national legend yes. in the field of athletics he's an and just general joviality, because let's let's face it, he's one of Britain's happiest men. He is. Um, his shoddiness doesn't entirely surprise me, because I'll be honest, record breakers did go downhill once Akabusi took over from Roy Castle. Castle. I felt Roy Castle, the classic Roy Castle and Norris McWhirter double act. Absolutely. It was fun, but they were sticklers for the details and the rules of record-breaking. <laughs> I felt once Akabusi and Cheryl Baker took over, almost anything would constitute a record. It's extraordinary that in presenting uh, a, a programme about world records and stuff, they kind of sort of thought about people's uh, qualifications for doing it and decided to pick a trumpeter and tap dancer to, <laughs> to, to present yeah. that show rather than some kind of statistician or... or well, McWhirter, he knew his stuff. Yeah, he did. Cheryl Baker, I mean, don't get me wrong, making your mind up was a great Eurovision entry. It was. But did it constitute a record of any sort? I don't think so. It did not. Uh, has she ever, for instance, uh, spent painstakingly lined up up to 10,000 dominoes one by one, just half an inch apart, then tap the first one and watch them all click, clack, click, clack, click, clack down in an amazing procession that... There's always yeah. one tiny strip that never quite goes yeah, down, isn't there? Right. In any record attempt with dominoes, there's always one strip that doesn't quite work. But yet they still allow the record, and that's good. One more record-breaker's got gripe. The guy who claimed to be the fastest talker on the planet, right? How did we know he was actually speaking actual words? He spoke so quickly, it could have just been a noise. Yeah, yeah. How did they monitor that? Slow it down, slow it down. They didn't and have the audio. It. They didn't yeah. have the audio. Technology. Well, this is another argument for goal line technology. Uh, there should be some <laughs> kind of uh, tape recording, sort of <laughs> NASA-style equipment that can Absolutely. detect radiation from dying planets, just focused <laughs> on his mouth, just to tell. No, I never yeah. bought that guy. Never. No. no. Anyway. There's that old blooper of that bloke speaking really quickly, isn't there, yeah. in the black and white interview, the sort of, uh, like, my, uh, sort of docker strike in Belfast or something, and the bloke, they're going, you have to, and that's the, because I think the interviewer is kind of Northern Irish as well, and is going, 
Uh, now, you, you, you can speak uh, a little slower. The microphone will pick your voice up. There's no need to shout. It'll, it'll pick the voice up. It'll, and he's going, right, right. So, <laughs> so what's the reason for this? Right? Goes, Wait a minute, don't let me tell you. No, no, no. Speak. The, the microphone will will pick the voice up. There's no. Is this available on YouTube? I think it is. Yeah, it Brilliant. might be. Yeah, it's very good. It's very good. So, um, we uh, have some uh, uh, answers to emails uh, during the course of the show. Uh, we asked you um, uh, who, if you've met any famous hammers. This is a continuation of last week's uh, meeting famous hammers. Uh, we also started a little strand on players' nicknames because we were just talking earlier today uh, when you used to have uh, Julian, the Terminator, Dix, Martin, Mad Dog, Allen, um, uh, Psycho, David Cross, uh, uh, and those seem to have faded away slightly. And uh, I remember we used to call Stuart Slater Biffa, which was an ironic nickname because he was because so was some, wee. Yeah, yeah right, that was yeah, one of my favourites. Yeah. Fortune's always hiding. You used to try and sort of get them going because I think you mm. used to call Julian Dix Biffa, as you know, Julian mm. Biffa Dix. Who, mm. Had one anyway, as we know, the Terminator. But uh, those are just a bit. Should there be any new ones? And can uh, we think of any during the course of the show? So we'll be uh, coming up with that. And um, also, we'll be talking about the Wolves game and we'll begin talking about it now. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yes, uh, obviously, infuriatingly, we scored a goal and had it disallowed uh, at the end of the game in the dying seconds of the match. Yep. We won that game, but had the win taken away for us. Yeah, we were robbed. We were absolutely robbed. Um, but, I, we, you know, in the second half of that match, we had several chances to have finished them off. Yeah. Um, we, we're very much becoming a second-half team under Grant, which is encouraging. Yes. Because traditionally, for the last two seasons, under Zola and under Kerbishley as well, we got off to flyers. And, you know, the, the old story with us, especially at home, was that we would, you know, we go in at half-time thinking we should have put the game to bed. Yeah. Much like Wolves should have yes. at the weekend yes. against us. And then second half, we blow it. The, I would rather it the other way round. I think anyone would rather have their team form better in the second half. And, and Avram yeah. Grant seems to be proactive yes, in, in tactical adjustments. Exactly, yeah. He's the first uh, manager since Pardew who's uh, been able to make changes within a game and changes mm. that quite clearly work. And there's a sort of a, um, not necessarily a change of shape on Saturday, but somehow a kind of tactical change yeah. uh, and... Uh, Maybe he gave them a bit of a rocket. So, but that's so hard you, you, to imagine. You can't imagine. I can't imagine what Grant does no. at halftime. Comes in and just generally haunts them. Yeah, <laughs> just stands there like Baron von Greenback yeah. from Danger Mouse. Sibaroni. <laughs> It's, that was actually a sidekick. It's crow. more frightening when he smiles, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it, it was, it's grim when he doesn't Maybe smile. Maybe that puts the wind up them. Yeah. Maybe it gives them the willies, so yeah. to speak, and that's why they come out and perform. His such head standard. peers round a sort of velvet <laughs> curtain, and he just smiles <laughs> gently at them. And they all go, <laughs> and that, go out and play The way he better. dresses all in black and... Yeah, I mean, he's a sinister character, but maybe that's what works for him. But, but certainly he's doing something. It's yeah, there to does what. seem to be a genuine uh, sort of degree of tactical thought there. Though they mm. do, what does happen, I mean, they're part of this second, block, second half phenomenon, is they do sort of come out and underperform a bit in the first half and then have to kind of uh, Yeah, put the, it right. the only way is up in the second half. But certainly it, it felt like we were all over Wolves' second half. They didn't have many chances. No. Um, it's frustrating because... Um, Abina in particular seems to have everything in his repertoire other than finishing. Yeah, so yeah. he gets himself into a number of amazing positions, yeah. creates chances almost at will. 
I mean, he gets the ball and he will create a chance every time, but he, he just can't, cannot finish. No. Cole came on and had the similar problem. Oh, dear. And, and, and pick, pick one. Pick one? Um, he likes the woodwork, doesn't he? He, he li- generally yeah, he likes to see if you can bounce the ball yeah, off the uh, off the bar or uh, the upright. Which, in many ways, is more of a precision skill than boring old goal scoring. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I think. I mean, you know, th- it takes more talent in many ways to pick out a crossbar than it does a massive gaping net. Yeah, he's a uh, yeah, he's, he's really he's a rising purist, to the challenge. Yes, yes, the exactly. He finds goals vulgar. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, but he was uh, he, he controlled the ball uh, with his chest and put it in the goal, and uh, the referee decided that he'd picked it up and uh, yeah. thrown it in the goal like a shot putter. Tragic, but having said that, sorry to be philosophical about the whole thing, but we've gone up to Wolves, we, yeah. we've extended our unbeaten run, which is great for our confidence. It was a bit of an early season six-pointer, and actually a point is fair not result. bad. No, it's fair result. much more sickening for a Wolves fan, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mick McCarthy is, uh, is in profile... Any way you look at him, isn't he? So if yeah. you look at him straight on, he's still in profile. He defies, it's amazing. He, he evi- defies geometry. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's an extraordinary something. It's like a kind of hole. There's like a nexus in the fabric of the universe when you look at him. And you, you're suddenly looking at someone in like five dimensions. He reminds just... me a great deal of... Do you remember the kind of eagle character in The Muppets? That, yes. That sort of eagle with the hook... Ni- what was his name? Sam. Sam. Yeah, Sam, yeah, the yeah. American Eagle. Yeah, yeah, he looks very much like him, but with a bizarre Yorkshire twang. Yeah, yeah. Holograms were based on uh, Mick McCarthy. The <laughs> idea that you could see someone in sort of a strange three dimensions yeah. whilst looking straight My favourite thing about Mick McCarthy is the fact that he is one of those managers who insists on not only wearing shorts and football socks and football boots, but also shin guards on the touchline, <laughs> yeah. as if he's actually going to come gonna, onto the yeah, pitch yeah. and play at any moment. That's still a possibility. Yeah, he saw. He obviously saw a kind of a review about a manager who about whom they said he kicks every ball yeah, and took exactly. it really literally yeah. and wants to yeah. run on the pitch. He'll and start, start smearing himself in mud before the game yeah, as well, just yeah. to get bring himself even more into the thick of the action. He gets in the bath with them after yeah. the game, uh, yeah. despite the fact. He hasn't really done anything. No. Uh, very strange. He's all in the. Um, there's, you know, this. There's just now this axis of evil, isn't there? Of football managers. Tony Pulis is in it, I think. Yeah. Um, uh, Sam Allardyce, Allardyce. McCarthy is yeah. in it. Um, They're the forces of conservatism. They are exactly. Yeah, yeah they are. Um, and uh, North Korea is in, yeah. in that yeah. axis. Kim Jong Un, the it, new guy who's yeah. taken over in North Korea, is in the. Is very yeah. much in the same pack. Simon as Cowell, Pulis. Simon Cowell's in it. You got your Un, yeah. your Cowell, Cowell. your Pulis, Pulis, your Allardyce, yeah. and your McCarthy. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they're all into kind of the the same kind of negative approach Very to life, much, yeah. aggressive negative approach. Absolutely, absolutely. And Bill Sykes from Oliver Twist, he's in it as well. <laughs> I felt he's we, I felt you know, Wolves. They all said, you know, you go up to Wolves, especially at their place. That you know, you're going to be in for a real fight, and that's the way they approach every game. And you know, obviously, West Ham going back for many decades were the one team that. You know, oppositions north of Watford always thought, oh, you can totally petrify them. They're, they're softies. You can terrify them away from home. And Wolves, of all teams this season, a reputation they fast established, you would have thought we'd cave in. But there is something about this Avram granting, which yeah. again 
completely defies everything you would assume about Avram Gant's character. Yeah. That has a real steel to them. Yeah, yeah, that's it's right. It's a steely. There's a steeliness to this team. They're, they're we did tough, slightly give them that first goal. That was. It wasn't just the weak green punch. There was a kind of. Yeah. Uh, in inside the ball bounced a bit around inside the area, and uh, De Costa and Noble left it for each other yeah. at one point, and were dispossessed by Wolves. It back. was the case of as that you was, were, yeah, yeah. I'll leave that to you. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, one of those two could have whacked it into the stand, and that goal wouldn't have been scored. And yeah. it was, you know, the the green punch was a bit weak, but you know, um, what I mean though is is that we didn't get out fought. They didn't no, intimidate no. us. They didn't kind no. of provoke us or anything like that. Well, um, there's certain certain. I mean, getting a proper right back has really shored yeah. that defence up. Yeah, you know, it's absolutely. like there's actually it's like a four man defence now. Um, yeah. Matthew Upson wasn't playing because it, uh, you know it was a religious holiday, uh, Martin Luther King Day. I don't know what day it was. Uh, it was like a half day yeah, closing. You know, that's he's very serious about that sort of thing. Yeah, so I think yeah. we should respect that. Yeah, absolutely, I respect his his opinions of not yeah. wanting to play. I thought he was a Scientologist, Matthew Upson. Though. Oh, really? Yeah, I think he may be. But anyway, um, I, I think that... Tom Cruise's birthday. Uh, yeah, I think he was the, invited yeah, to that. Quite possibly. Yeah. Um, we've had some tweets. Now, uh, we, were, we, we, were, yeah, we were discussing, uh, as I mentioned earlier, nicknames for players and uh, the fact that those seem to have disappeared. Um, uh, we've got a few tweets. Uh, Dave Guja, or Gudga, has said, uh, Carlton, Barndor, Banjo, Cole. <laughs> <laughs> bit bit wordy. That it one. is. It Doesn't is. Doesn't trip off yeah, the tongue. Yeah. Avram Uncle Avi Grant. I th- I'm, I'm all behind that. I think everyone's calling him Uncle Avro. Uh, Uncle Avram. I think Jim does. Uh, I like Uncle Avram because <laughs> he's a bit like Uncle Fester. Uncle Fester. Yeah, yeah, is, yeah. It's Uncle Avram. That's the uh, Freddie Pick One Pickian. <laughs> the picker. The pickmeister. Uh, Kieran Glassnees Dyer. Uh... I think a substitute Kieran Dyer would be quite a good nickname. I've got a favourite from this list that's uh, come from Dave Goodger, um, and it's Harita Rita Olunga. Oh, nice. I like an unambitious um, <laughs> nickname. You know, yeah. one that's just like, just a little bit like your actual name. I yeah. think that's funny. Oh, I'm not going <laughs> to remember this now, but there was a spell of... Uh, uh, feminising the because Linda McCartney, George McCartney was called Linda McCartney, yeah. Rita Ilunga, and there was a little spell of feminising. Uh, yeah, uh, there was. Uh, who was Stanford. it? Was called Sharon? Was it Alan Dickens? I think Alan Dickens was known as Sharon. <laughs> was it Alan Dickens? Yeah, it might. So, definitely, someone was known as Sharon. I think like I said, it was Dickens, yeah. but I'm sure some listeners will be in touch to verify or yes. contradict me. If you want to contradict Sam, and I know it's a very popular pursuit, <laughs> do so uh, at uh, hammertime at playbackmedia.co.uk. Hammertime at playbackmedia.co.uk. You can get all our links to Facebook, Twitter and iTunes by simply keying in westhampodcast.com or punching the requisite cards to put in your uh, IBM mainframe computer, if you still have one. You have to punch the cards, slash, slash, dollar, dollar, (laughs) whatever that ASCII code was in the 70s. But but generally speaking, westhampodcast.com will get you where you want to go. Or follow us at Twitter on twitter.com forward slash westhampodcast, as indeed Greg Jones, Dave Farmington, G. Goodwin and Edith May, amongst others, have done so. Or there's our iPhone app. Sam, have you got this app? I do, actually, yeah. I, uh, I, I have an old-fashioned uh, telephone. 
uh, with that top bit that you pick up and hold against one ear and the candlestick. Yes. The Hello, Worthing465. That's right. <laughs> Stoke Newington423. Is, <laughs> uh, is that Mr. Pips the Butcher? <laughs> Bit.ly forward slash West Ham app is how you get there. Um, now, yeah, well, I've got some. Yes, uh, here's some nicknames. Uh, Graham Halliday has come in with some. Uh, Kieron. This is good. Kieran the Inferminator. <laughs> good. <laughs> That's nice. Uh, Benny McCarthy, he feels, should be called Hamburglar. <laughs> These are good. Yeah. Strictly Scott Parker. And he says, due to his piro- 360 degree pirouettes he does when he gets he likes the ball. Those, yeah, they? Yeah. yeah. Well, that's a noble's the same, and they both seem to get it from John Moncur. John Moncur oh, he loved was pirouette. the guy that was so one-footed mm. that essentially he had to go around. You know, like when a cat settles down to go to sleep, yeah. or a dog, and does yeah. about 720 degrees. Uh, they're both like that, aren't they? Very one-footed players. <laughs> um, so, um, one thing I wanted to talk about was... Uh, if we go all-seater, uh, we're already all-seater, but if we go to the Olympic uh, stadium, stadium, I'd really like us to try the uh, the moat of standing seats that they think should happen. And I've been on the uh, been on the internet uh, lately. A, a lot of these organisations want to see a return to uh, putting standing areas mm. in football grounds, and uh, and I think this would be a good time for us to try it. Yeah, well, I mean, in the Bundesliga, they keep standing. Um, yep. By all accounts, the Bundesliga is one of the best European leagues to, you know, from a fan's perspective, the experience of the yeah. game. They still have standing. Cheap to get in. It's cheap to get in. Big stadium they, as well, they, like 60,000 They seaters. also have a, I'm told, a fella who goes around with a massive um, tank of beer on his back with a hose and you pay him one euro and he tops your glass up throughout the game you can drink beer whilst you stand watching a football match and someone fills you up for a euro a time with top premium German lager all of those things combined make it a very attractive prospect I also I read an article by some Chelsea fans who have been priced out of going to Chelsea because it's so ludicrously expensive there and instead of their season tickets for less than their season ticket they worked out that Every, like, once or twice a month, they could afford to get, you know, a budget airline flight to a random German city, buy a ticket to the game, stay in a reasonably priced hotel for the night, have a good few beers at the match and, you know, some Bockfurst or whatever it is yeah. you want to eat, and it would still be considerably less than the, you know, the price you would pay to travel to Chelsea and get the ticket and pay for food for your kid and all the rest of it. Plus, of course, you're not surrounded by arseholes. Yeah. We're yeah. surrounded by Germans, yep. but, you know, not nearly as bad as Chelsea fans. Nope, exactly. Uh, so, you know, all things considered, if you are a Chelsea fan, you happen to have accidentally tuned in to stop Hammer Time, I would suggest you renounce supporting Chelsea immediately and either kill yourself mm. or start following the German side. Chelsea fans have it rough, though, Sam. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't kill yourself. I, I oh, say, okay, but please, sorry. if you're listening... Please, please give Chelsea fans uh, the money to go away on a weekend's holiday to watch a German football club of their choice. Just Wolfsburg, yeah. Schalke, yeah. whoever you feel inclined to view. Yes, exactly. 
go. Yeah, my friend goes to watch Untracked Frankfurt and says Fair it's enough. great, really good Fair sort enough. of atmosphere. But that's exactly right. Yes, they let them drink in the ground. They let them stand up because that's what uh, mature adults can do. Yeah, exactly. And um, mm, yeah, that could be the problem with introducing that kind of thing to English football. Exactly. Manchester City, yeah. uh, as a punitive measure against uh, Manchester United fans, have withdrawn part of their season allo- season ticket. No, part of their ticket allocation. Sorry, not season ticket. Part of their away ticket allocation to the game uh, because they have the audacity to stand up for much of the game. Who the, f- the, f- the Manchester United fans visiting right. Manchester City? They're going to uh, cut down their allocation because they have the audacity to stand up. Yeah. The game? You just go. You know, do, yeah. does anyone actually like football that runs football now? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like you know, it, the thing is right. I don't even smoke, right? I don't smoke. But it comes to something where you're standing outside at a football match. You can't drink. You can't smoke. No. Nope. You can't swear. Yep. You can't stand, you yeah. know. Yeah. They're going to stop you from even smiling soon. Exactly. You know? I don't know. Cameron's Britain. Mm, yes. Very <laughs> 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 <And> Nazis. <laughs> um, yeah, so Kieran Glasnees Dyer, I've got. That's yeah. another one. That's uh, from Dave... Uh, Danny Good the Gob Gabidon. Danny the Gob Gabadon. Yeah, yeah, I'm not so keen on that. I, like I say, I like an unimaginative one. I really hope... Sorry to go back to Alan Dickens, but the more I think about Alan Dickens being called Sharon, the more sure I am about it. Yeah. And I also just think there's something lovely and bizarre and surreal about calling him Sharon. <laughs> yeah. And also, yeah, he was yeah. a player of the 80s, and the name Sharon has such an 80s <laughs> yeah, ring to it. It, it seems perfect. Uh, my favourite all-time player nickname, which wasn't a West Ham player, if we're going to go off West Ham, was Terry... Dog boy feeling. <laughs> Do you remember Terry feeling? He was a hell of a player. He was a fullback for Manchester City in the Republic of Ireland. I think he also played for Wimbledon. There was a feeling Liverpool, wasn't there? It, it wasn't him. No, not him. City. But right. there, ter- yeah, yeah. Terry Phelan, He was a he was a stocky mixed race lad. Yeah. And he played for Wimbledon, then City, and he was great for Republic of Ireland as well. But he literally, I mean, he looked like a pit bull terrier. He was stocky, <laughs> and he had a kind of a Mike Tyson neck. And he was called Dog Boy, and I think that's a hell, that's of, that's a hell of a nickname. Yeah. And I remember that um, there was also a guy called Andy Dibble who played in goal for Man City, and his nickname was Andy Officer, Officer Dibble. Dibble. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. <laughs> Those are two. Yeah, hand it to the Man City fans; they knew how to dream up a nickname. <laughs> um, uh, Jan Drew Taylor has come in. Uh, Nigel, the relegator, quasi. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So good. Very nice. Very nice. Um, Matt Mute Upson is mm. uh, that that reflects uh, what I've said about him. Yeah. He's not much Keeps of a, his mouth not shut. much of a talker. Pablo Who Barrera mm. is uh, is one. Yeah, I, it's just a shame we can't we don't seem to pick him very much to play. Yeah, I think he's he's like an old fashioned luxury player, Barrera. From what I've seen of him, yeah, is that you know. It's, it's worrying because Dyer seems to be an integral part of the team now, you know, and a lot of our if attacks plays, come yeah. through Dyer when yeah. he plays. When he doesn't play, you kind of think, well, you know, can Barrera perform that kind of an all-round game? Well, he's nervous about dropping Boamorte, isn't he? Because I think, I think Boamorte's sort of combative qualities yeah. are attractive. And I think we sort of said this last, last week in a way, that... I think he's he's got to sort of have the courage to to say there's enough steel in Parker and Noble to be mm. the kind of the the midfield sort of hub and and because you know two's normally enough for a kind of steely midfield pairing if you just kind of 
you sort of want hard men to entirely popula- populate your midfield. I think it feels a bit negative, and it sort of seems that the courageous thing is if Dyer can actually play a full game, which sort of seems unlikely, or is is sort of fit enough to start. The courageous thing would be uh, Noble Parker, Barrera, and um, Dyer. You know? I ju- yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know really enough about Barrera yet. I haven't seen lots of him. Because he hasn't played that much, no, has he? No, but part of the I kind of get the impression from him. He's not a big lad, and he's extremely tricky going forward. But it's like that old-fashioned winger that you don't get in many teams anymore. Nowadays, yeah. everyone has to be like bloody dirt coit. You know, yeah, like yeah. you're kind of a wide player, but you, you and you're supposed to be an attacker. But your main focus is on tackling people. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. So everyone's a fullback. So and it, Barrera seems like an old-fashioned luxury player who's just there to do stepovers and and what have you. Yeah. Um, Dyer, when he's fit and at his best, seems to be able to do both. Cause Dyer yeah. actually started off as a right back, I think. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. He's defending. So, yeah, so he can do it. Um, but yeah, I don't know Barrera whether or not he, you know, they would feel confident certainly away from home playing a, a lad like him. But I don't. I mean, you know, I don't. I mean, I mean, presumably they must have seen enough of him in training and stuff to decide, but. You know, Ben Ayun was a, a small kind of small framed yeah. man, but yeah. but would put tackles in. You know, good in the air. I <laughs> see yeah. Ben Ayun. You know, could head the ball and and just because a player is of a kind of slight build like Barrero is, doesn't mean that he might not actually be able to put his foot in and tackle a little bit mm. and stuff like that. And you know, and also good players, you know, tend to not really have to go to the ground all that much. And yeah. you know. Be interested to see that, but yeah, it was good to see Dyer back again after mysteriously disappearing after the Spurs game again for two or three games where he seemed to vanish for some mysterious health. Yeah, he's reason. a bit of an enigma, isn't he, Kieran Dyer? Yeah, um, yeah. We get the odd story in about Kieran Dyer at Heat Magazine. I'm not going to go into it, but I think you know, it, he's he's a mystery. Mm. He's a mystery. I think he's a fantastic player, and I think that if we got a whole season out of him, I know you've spoken about that. Yeah. recently on the podcast you get a whole season out of Kieran Dyer you know it could be the real difference yeah between, you know five or six places in the league I yeah think. yeah you know, off the you, bench yeah. or starting I mean he is a kind of yeah if he ever sort of comes back and has a kind of sort of an Indian summer of his career he could be fantastic for us and he just he, he that that first period against Spurs he was really everywhere he's able to kind of command the ball find the ball get in positions where he's passed to and uh uh, those are all. Those are all three different ways of saying the same thing. Yeah, <laughs> that's eaten up Certainly. a bit more time. I'm just really well, padding now. What I'm going to do is essentially you. say the same thing. I'm, I'm going back to something that I've been listening to recently on the show on the last episode, um, and it, about West Ham players that you have met. Well, I've been lucky over the years, partly just through flute, partly through you know my journalistic pursuits, to have met several West Ham players and. Obviously, the team that is dearest to my heart and the one that kind of, you know, forged the greatest memories of following West Ham uh, was, of course, the great Matty Holmes team of the early... No, it wasn't. It was the 1986 (laughs) team that finished third. And I started going through it when I was listening to the last podcast. Oh, Matty Holmes. I I really... Well, you know, Matty Holmes is a great player, but it wasn't a great team. But the the 1985-86 team, the classic lineup of it, right... I went through it and I realised one by one I had met the majority of the players. Wow. So now I've become obsessed with the ones I haven't met and how I can go about trying to meet them. Brian Deere? Phil, Mar- Phil Parks. Yes. I was actually, ironically, at a um, 
QPR game. I've got a brother who's a QPR fan. Yes. And we were in a hospitality area, and Phil Parks, the Judas that he is, now works in a hospitality capacity for QPR on match days. So yeah. Of course, that's who we signed him of, and he still, he still has his sports shop, I believe, on the Uxbridge Road, just near Loftus Road, Parksies. Yeah. Um, so he works there. So I, I met him there. Um, they were having some kind of cheese and wine event before a game that I was lucky to get myself into, and I met uh, Phil Parks then. Ray Stewart, haven't met him. Ah. Greatest penalty taker Great of penalty all time. Taker, yes. Greatest penalty taker in the world, yeah. ever. I think everyone would agree on that. Part, Ray Stewart, if you're listening, we need to get you involved. Yep. George Paris I met on a train when I was a student on the way to Brighton. He was playing for Brighton and Hove Albion, and I was at Sussex University down the south coast. I was with my girlfriend i just started going out with at the time, and I think I was supposed to be um, impressing her by acting cool or being romantic with her, whereas in fact I became preoccupied with the fact that an obscure West Ham left-back was sat a few seats away. Yeah, yeah. And I bothered her all the way through, saying, oh, I really want to go and talk to that guy. He's, like, legendary at West Ham. And in the end, I did, and we got in, like, a house on fire. She didn't seem very impressed. No. Tony Gale, very charismatic character. The I've t- met him. Yeah, fantastically charismatic, hilarious man. I met him. Mark Ward I became actually quite friendly with a couple yes, of years yeah. ago, to the extent that when he was in prison, we were pen pals. Wow. <laughs> Genuine true story. Fantastic. Uh, Mark Ward went Con- in- Conjugal visit? Conjugal visit? <laughs> <laughs> we lobbied like hard for that, yeah. but the governor was an absolute nightmare. Oh, no. So, in fact, what happened was- Were I- you smuggled in inside a cake? No, I did visit him. I don't know if you're familiar with that scene in Midnight Express. <laughs> I pushed my breast up to the glass screen <laughs> for just to titillate oh, him while what? he pleasured himself. <laughs> Wardy would have loved that. <laughs> well, Wardy, I mean, I thought to myself... Knowing Wardy, as I don't, yeah. he would have loved that. You've done so much for us West Ham fans <laughs> yeah. with your aggressive and direct wing play yeah. in the mid-80s. Oh. The least I can do for you is press my man boob up to the glass partition. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, you just just you know download that to the old memory bank <laughs> yeah, for when yeah. you're in your cell later. Yeah, it's the least I can do. But Wardy, yeah, we were genuine pen pals. Um, I even spoke it was to that him night that he said to the Warders, I'd like to wash my own sheets from now on. <laughs> oh, God. After all he's done for me, I, I feel awful. <laughs> get him on the show. Yeah, we, we will yeah, get Mark Ward on, on the show. Next get time he's in London, I think he's back in the North West now, but he, right. he's, a, he's a great guy. Yeah. Um, and, he, you know, his, his book I can recommend as well that he wrote about his experiences both of football and... Um, in the you know the unfortunate circumstance he found himself in emergency ward 10 yeah that's it yeah yeah i think he played number seven but he fudged that Uh, because it was a good title for a book yeah the central midfield of that team was ordinarily made up of alan sharon dickens (laughs) and either in the defensive midfield role jeff pike or neil law neither of whom i've met and i haven't met sharon either Uh. who became a black cab driver after leaving us for chelsea I don't know what he's up to nowadays, but it'd be great if we could get him on the show yep. both to talk about those times and about his cabbie in days, which yep. no doubt are littered with hilarious anecdotes, but also to confirm the Sharon nickname. Yes. Alan Devonshire met him. Couldn't believe it. They said to me, who's that? I could, you know, he looks like the um, little blue cat out of Top Cat now, Benny. Benny. He's right. completely round and bald. He, I, I, he was willowy, long-haired yeah. and bearded. Yes. Now he is hairless, short and rotund. Like Sid Barrett from the Pink Floyd, who latterly Same thing in his life was sort of bald and fat. He um, filled out and yeah, thinned yeah. out. Yeah, yeah, filled out and thinned out. Absolutely amazing. And of course, Tony, Frank McAvenny, I met on Stop a legendary Hammer Time. episode of Stop, Stop Hammer, Hammer Time. Time. Which you can still find on iTunes. Oh, well, 
it's Along well, it, it's well worth a second listen. I listen to it most days. Do you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I do. And I'm listening to it now uh, in the headphones. Simultaneously, I have now, yeah. I'm I wondered why you were distracted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Tony Cotty, I've also had the pleasure to meet on a couple of occasions. But there you go. It's like a ticket. It's an obsession. Yeah, there. you know, it's ticking off the list. Well, I'm going to turn this computer screen round to where you can see it. Look, there's Paul Sanders, a Stop Hammer Time uh, oh, listener party. and uh, contributor to our Facebook site, and he's uploaded a picture of himself with Phil Parks. It's a fantastic picture, and Parksy, unlike uh, Dev has remained almost exactly the same physically. <laughs> That's yes, precisely yeah. how he looked when <laughs> at the point of retirement. Poor old Parksy, he's probably the best keeper. I mean, I would say it's between him and Ludo. Although, yeah, you know, yeah. I'm relatively young. I'm 35. In my lifetime, those were the two best keepers. I yeah, yeah, West I think so. But pa- poor old Parksy, towards the end, his knees had gone, hadn't they? And I yeah. think they used to... At George Paris's main job was to push Parksy over when there was a shot and goal because he was unable to actually dive of his own accord. So George Paris was picked just yeah. to push Parksy over. He'd go, push me left. And Paris would just push him over to sort of make it look like he was diving for the ball. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like that um, West End play War Horse where they had that massive puppet of a horse that several <laughs> people moved around yeah. the stage. Yeah, that's basically what happened to yeah. Parks for a good three years before we managed to sign him. But, you know... That that in itself is testament to how poor Tom McAllister was, and not, let alone Alan McKnight as a stand. Yes, Alan McKnight was uh, was uh, a particularly poor keeper. Bernard Lama, we had. We like Bernard Lama. He smokes marijuana. Yeah, was, he was uh, a great keeper. He was good. Yeah, he uh, was always very alarming when the ball was on the ground, and he decided to try and take it past two of yeah, the he advancing of uh, yeah. strikers of the other team because we were not actually playing all that well. Mm. The thing is, he took over at a time when <clears throat> London had been flooded by the new, stronger strain of artificially produced marijuana, skunk. <laughs> That's right. Okay, and that was the problem. That was yeah. the real problem before that he had been used he'd been in france there was a lot of moroccan hashish yeah. available which yeah. was more of a mild, milder vibe yeah once skunk kicked in he was thought he was diego maradona he thought he could <laughs> go around six players in the box it was always very su- suspicious when they threw those kind of branded lucasade water bottles onto the pitch and the bottom of his was on fire <laughs> i always thought that was a kind of uh, yeah, and he just seemed to be breathing deeply from it rather yeah. than actually drinking from it yeah very strange very strange um i've got a I've got a story here an email from uh, andrew parsliff um uh, and this is an interesting strand. Uh, what he's what he's heading towards saying is, have any of your listeners bought strange items into Upton Park? Um, <laughs> That's <laughs> John, a brilliant yeah, question. It is a good question. Um, I'm a lifelong Hammers fan, he says, having seen my first game when Brian Deere scored five. Um, Amazing. Yeah. In the early 80s, I was working for a music management company looking after the business affairs of diverse bands. I was the accountant. My boss advised me that he had just secured an an agreement with an American merchandising company, but didn't tell me the details. On this Friday, a hippie-looking American came and proceeded to give me about £200,000 in various European currencies, uh, which was the merchandising uh, from a Judas Priest tour, the uh, profits of all the t-shirts and stuff, and uh, uh, prior to going through Heathrow and returning to the US. About five o'clock and I couldn't get to the bank, nor could I leave the cash at the office as we were routinely broken into. So I decided to keep the cash on me, carrying it inside my snazzy skiing jacket. Uh, When I got to the gate at the North Bank, I barely had the three pounds that it was in the 80s to get into the game. However, I did have £200,000 inside my jacket. (laughs) 
Uh, I found it quite funny that at the time I could probably buy the whole of the back four, he says, especially if it included Keith Coleman. <laughs> Today, that would be one week's wages, he says, with a bitter note oh. uh, to his font. Yeah. I chaperoned the money till Monday. As it happened, I had lunch with our bankers. Uh, at the end, I asked if they had normal banking facilities at the office. Uh, they thought I wanted to cash a cheque and were somewhat surprised when I put the cash on the table. Wow. Yeah. I had to take a bass guitar in the ground once. Well, I think it's Give us a tune, mate. I heard yeah. uh, about 13,000 times. Was it easier in those days? When was that that you brought a bass guitar? Oh, in? probably about 97. I think that nowadays it's very hard to bring almost anything. I mean, they yeah. barely allow you to bring your own clothes in. Yeah, I mean, that's it, right. you know, it's very difficult, the security checks now. Uh, I can't remember. I remember I went for a phase. I've got some Italian relatives, and over there... They, they were Lazio fans. I used to go to the game there and they had this... They wouldn't let you take a gun they into had a, the ground. No, no guns. <laughs> I remember... I, and then I downgraded and said, well, is a taser gun all right? And mm. they were even funny about that. I mean, they Jerry's. let me in in the end, but they were sniffy about yeah, it, if yeah. I'm honest. That's what they're like. Um, no, but they used to drink Cafe Sport in, in Italy <laughs> out of these little capsules, which was like a coffee-based liqueur, and that's what they all drink. I think they still drink it in the ground. So I took some capsules over... And a bottle of the stuff, and we'd smuggle that because it was a nice, warming little alcoholic shot. And I used yeah. to carry that in in my pants because you know they'd search for that. It's not really that outlandish. I did once. I went. We used to have a phase of we used to drink in the Duke of Edinburgh after the game, and there was a um, there's a greengrocer which a lot of people will be uh, familiar with that sold a, a number of exotic vegetables that you weren't used to seeing. Okra, yeah, okra, that yeah. sort of thing. Um, a stra- and also strange fruits. There was a strange bendy-shaped yellow fruit with a thick outer skin that you peeled back to reveal its white, fleshy innards. Is this a banana? They called it a banana. Ah. Right no, but anyway, we, we would buy, when we won, we would buy a celebratory vegetable or fruit from right. the exotic greengrocers. And in the end, after a particularly good season, I think it might have been that season when we had Berkovich in midfield and John oh. Hartson on fire up front yeah. and Trevor Sinclair in the team also. 97, we, 98. We kept winning all the time, so we ran out of comedy vegetables. So then we upgraded to the Halal Butcher, and we would buy a, a celebrate. It was like a strange tradition. We would buy a celebratory meat product. A halal And chop. I bought a massive halal liver to celebrate a victory <laughs> over Tottenham once. But on the train, things became boisterous, and someone oh. grabbed the liver off of me, and it got thrown about the carriage, and it was unsightly, and that was why I gave up buying foodstuffs to celebrate victories. It seems so juvenile now. Pete Ward, who sometimes does this podcast, uh, if we lose, buys a hot dog. That's <laughs> um, <laughs> kind of Richard. flagellatory uh, yeah, punishment suppose, yeah, and exactly. artery thickening yeah. kind of yeah, sort of. Um, I'll teach myself fun. to support <laughs> yeah. West Ham. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll eat this disgusting food stuff. He's now twenty-eight stone. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that story had a sad ending. Uh, John Pope uh, met uh, um, Dev. Uh, he says, yeah. uh, I met the great Alan Devershire. Been waiting to meet him for a long time. And he purchased a t shirt, uh, kind of a retro t shirt, I guess, with the great man's face, sort of circa 70s with a long hair and the tash, uh, hoping to get him to autograph it, which he did. Uh, uh, as he said, um, uh, as he looked at the t shirt and said, uh, wait a minute, that's me. To which, uh, which uh, Tom Pope <laughs> replied, I know. <laughs> and uh, Dev, Dev then said, fuck me, I ain't getting a penny for that. Uh, uh, so he gave him the email address the company got it from, and he was delighted. 
Uh, he took it all in good fun and was an absolute gentleman, a really nice man, as you'd expect. Uh, also, back in the 70s, whenever we were at home, we used to spend most Friday nights at the room at the top in Ilford. Uh, the room at the top must be the name of a place in Ilford. In the company of uh, Keith Coleman and Keith Robson, two nice blokes. But could they drink? He says oh, yeah. as a rhetorical question. Yeah. I'm guessing what, the answer is yes. What he means yes. is that they could drink they could a lot. Drink. Okay, exactly. Yeah, that's this is a it's a it's a literary device. Yeah. He's used he's used uh, rhetoric, uh, rhetoric to make okay. that point. Okay. Uh, not a press man in sight. Happy days. And that's true because if there was a, uh, if you if you did go out for a relaxing drink with another footballer, a tabloid paper would be there going, yeah, footballer has drink. Yeah, I know. In those days, you know, if you wanted to go out and pursue the simple pleasures of a young, rich, successful footballer, such as binge drinking, (laughs) drug abuse, violence, pyramids of champagne glasses, (laughs) yeah, Um, you know, being, you know. Prostitution, exactly. soliciting prostitution, rape—all the things that modern footballers enjoy to do in yeah. their spare time when exactly. they unwind, yeah. right? And just the intrusive relax. press keep reporting on it, and it just makes me sick because it's really taken the old-fashioned Corinthian spirit out of football, exactly. hasn't it? Exactly. Poor old Kieran Dyer now has to play football quite a lot since he's, since he's yeah. regained his health, and, and that's why, eating into his. Why? Uh, I'll tell you why. E- Murdoch. Exactly. Murdoch's making Kieran Dyer play uh, football for those bastards his, in the media pulling his the relaxing, strings. His relaxing, spit yeah. roasting. Um, I just want to go out, have fairly aggressive sex with some like nine or ten some other women footballers who have been forced into the country against their will. <laughs> exactly. You know, Cheryl Cole. Sake. Um, so um, uh, that's the, we've got to wind it up on that note. Uh, on that probably for the best. I think we probably do. Incidentally, oh, got- that wasn't in relation to any specific footballer, named no. or unnamed, during this podcast. Exactly. It was just a general surmising of the. We've ludicrous taken, world footballers live in. We've taken an amalgam of players and created yeah. a fictional footballer out of yeah. all of them. Yeah. Let's call him Dave Hendry. Yeah. He'd, he'd be in that comic strip that's in the sun. Yeah, he's a character. Football manager. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so we're playing a Newcastle the weekend. Score, Exciting. prediction. I think we're going to turn them over to now. I don't think they're a very good team. They had one massive result at the beginning of the season over Villa, didn't they? Which yeah. made us feel little, because Villa had turned us over with ease. Yes, And yeah. then the following week, they beat them 6-0. Yes. But they've got a lot of Premier League has-beens in their side. Yeah. I think we're on a good run of form, but we're due a win now. Yeah. And I feel confident, I do feel confident, that we will get a good result as long, you know, we don't seem to have any injuries thus nope. far. Nope. So I think that we will get a good result, and I think we've got a good run of fixtures ahead of us. At the yes, moment. that's right. We do have Arsenal away, so we yeah. can assume we'll get nothing out of that. Nil point. But the next kind of four games after that, I think we can gather some points yeah, now and absolutely. get ourselves in mid-table before Christmas. Absolutely, yeah. I think so too. You're going for 2-0? I'm going for 2-0. I'm going to go for 2-1 I just want to see a Beaner find the back of the net I yeah. know he has once but he yeah. keeps creating all these chances getting in positions it's only a matter of time surely before he works out how he's to quite actually keen to score a beautiful goal isn't he that's so the only you problem get a sort he of strange daisy cutter yeah. from 30 yards because yeah. he wants, he, what he wants is a screamer from 30 yards he likes but. to score the, to take the free kicks as well though doesn't yeah, he yeah yeah so, so maybe he might he'll get just, one that way get yeah. one that way yeah. yeah as a sort of confidence builder like when Tevez scored against Spurs from a free kick then it unleashed the Actual, tri- in real terms, trickle of goals that followed. But uh, I was particularly taken. I mean, I, I've been to less games than I usually would have by this time of the season because I've been away a lot. But I was particularly taken by Don Peretta's assertion on a recent podcast that Abina 
and Don does not say things loosely. No. He does not say them he with won't prior say them. consideration. He, he won't, won't say that. them unless he's no. got total conviction. Exactly. And he, I was very taken by the idea that uh, Abina was the best signing since Paolo Di Canio, which In- was over yes. 10 years ago. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Very, very, uh, yeah. He was, he's right. He could become a bit of a cult hero. I think. Let's judge for ourselves solely on the basis of Abina's performance against Newcastle on Saturday. Let's do that. Yeah. Let's do that. All right. This has uh, been Stop Hammer Time uh, with me this week, and it's wonderful to have him back. Sam Delaney. It's been a pleasure. And my name's Phil Whelan. See you around. Come on, you irons. This is a Playback Media production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at westhampodcast.com. If you'd like to sponsor or advertise on this podcast, please call our marketing partners, Sports Revolution, on 0207 580 2850 or drop them a line at info at Sports Social Podcast Network.